You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, the professor, Trent Nichols, and Coach Steve Perdue is in the house. Thank you for having me. You're a lot prettier than Brandon Atkins. Oh, that's good. He is. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I do miss that ginger, though. I see him. I saw him Sunday. Yeah? Yeah. What what was he doing? Was he drinking beer watching basketball? Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. I think everybody in America was drinking and watching basketball. And, you know, the NCAA tournament is set up perfectly because you've got four days of basketball overload and then you got three days where I don't think anybody can do anything sports-wise for 72 hours. Yeah, I have three days of getting the dun, 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 out of my ears before yes. I have four days of dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, my wife's been asking me for the last couple of days, is there basketball on? Uh, yeah, but it's the NBA. It's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, who cares? doesn't matter. I had movie night last night. I rented like three movies, sat there, watched them all by myself. What'd you look great. at? Uh, we watched, uh, I watched First Man, which was good. Not familiar. About Neil Armstrong. It was oh, got it, got it. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. And then I got most of the way through the uh, Black Klansman, which That's was good, good but man, by like one o'clock, I was like, oh man. I'm so you haven't <laughs> even watched the third one yet? Not the end of it. No, I watched the first one we watched together and it was horrible. The possession of Hannah something, Reed or something. It was stupid. Not worth it. The dollar I spent mm. it. The How was box. First Man? I really liked it. Yeah? I really liked it. There's some theories about aliens and all that stuff on the moon. Well, this was a documentary basically on Neil Armstrong leading up to that and then being on the moon. And one of the theories about the aliens on the moon is at their press conference afterwards, they were so nonchalant about it. Well, if you watch this movie, it discredits all of that because Neil Armstrong showed no emotion whatsoever. He was a very, he, he was that very smart man that wasn't very people person showing his passions. And he had a lot of inner trauma with his daughter dying early that really affected him. So it was a really good movie. You should watch it. Okay. I won't spoil the ending, but, yeah, they walk on the moon. You know Neil Armstrong's a Cincinnati guy, right? No, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he's an Ohio guy. didn't talk about to, that. Actually, on the way back and forth to my great-grandparents' house when I was a little kid, we used to pass by Neil Armstrong's farm huh. and be like, yeah, Neil Armstrong lives there. I think when I was moving to Houston, I, I, I feel like I looked at the house that they used in that movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was pretty neat. But That's pretty wild. Yeah. You big movie guy, Steve? I haven't seen any of those movies. I haven't seen any of them. Have you seen any movies? And not, not really. No? <laughs> not a whole lot. A little bit, a little bit more sports than movies right now going on All for right. me. Well, but. <laughs> that sucks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do a public service right now. Is that okay? okay? I'm going to review Captain Marvel. Ooh. Um, I haven't seen it, 
but the reviews seem to be <laughs> the same from everybody. Um, I hear it's pretty bad. Captain Marvel sucks. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Captain Marvel sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Captain Marvel sucks. That seems to be the, you know, the consensus. And oftentimes, I'm the one that's going to go the other direction from the from the herd. Yeah. But the trailers to the movie, I was like, I feel like I've already seen this movie. Well, that's what they say is that if you've seen the trailer, you don't yeah. even have to go see the movie. Well, Atkins hit me up. They went like opening night and shot me a text and was like, I've, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie. And then one of my kids went and saw the movie a couple days later and called me and was like, it's garbage. It's trash. The dialogue is, you know, too simple. The The story's dumb. It's uh, just bad all the way around. And I'm really disappointed about that. Uh, Captain Marvel's one I've been waiting on for a while. You're going to so. sit that one out then? Uh, sit it out is probably strong. You know me, I'm a Marvel guy, so eventually I'll see it, but I doubt that I'm going to shell out real coin. You're going to wait for the new Avengers? Um, wait for the new Avengers? Yeah, it's coming out soon. Uh, if by pitch a tent out at the theater for three <laughs> days prior to the release, you mean wait? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Okay. No, I'm, I'm that excited about that. Um the way I look at it with the with Avengers Endgame, it can't be a letdown. Um, I don't have, I don't even care if the movie itself is that great. I just need this thing to tie it all up. But I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you because we had a conversation. Did you watch any of the Marvel Netflix series? I did. Daredevil, I, did. Luke I, I watched, Cage, watched most of those. I didn't make were, those. Were you as pissed off as the rest of us when Luke Cage was canceled? Yeah, no doubt. Now Daredevil's been canceled. Right. Okay, I found out what's going on with that. Um, so here's the situation. Disney is releasing their own uh, streaming service at the mm, end of the year. Were you aware of that? Yes. It's called Disney Plus. Yes. Well, the Netflix had been dumping all these production dollars into the Marvel universe. And now they're like, forget you, Disney. That's exactly what's happened because Disney's put them on notice. We're yanking all of our content and... Netflix is like, well, why are we going to drop all these dollars into production if Disney's going to get this content? So the question at this point is whether or not Disney is going to stand those back up and pick those series up where they left off or if they're just going to move forward. They're, they've already identified that they have about a half dozen Marvel characters they're going to make shows, shows for. Of it's going to be interesting to see if they pick up Daredevil and Luke Cage because they already have a following. So that's what's going on. In the interim... Netflix went out and has commissioned some comic book geek to do a comic book series with new characters that will be released as comic books and as television shows concurrently. Uh, the first one is Jupiter Rising is the is the working title. Hmm. Uh, and there's five or six characters that they hope to stand up and build a following on wow. TV as, as simultaneously with the comic books. Be interesting to see. Ordinarily, I would trash this whole Disney idea because I hate Disney. Um, but I'm hesitant to do that because they're going to own all those Marvel TV shows, and I love them. So that's what's up. Yeah, they're definitely a good series on Netflix. So we'll see what Disney can do with them. Yeah, and they're still Netflix does still have two of them out there. One of which is Jessica Jones that they are going to finish. But uh, yeah, Luke Cage and Daredevil in particular. We'll see what happens. So that's why people come here. And it, 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 that's, that's why we do this, Trent. 
public service, getting information out there. <laughs> Trying to help the people. Now, ordinarily, and, and I'm not going to pull a Brandon Eckage, you know, because Brandon is quick to come in here and say, well, I heard on ESPN they were talking about this. I don't listen to ESPN at all. In the mornings when I'm driving back and forth to Durham, if I'm not listening to something academic, I'm listening to Fox Sports. And I listen to um, First Take with um, Nick Wright and Chris Carter. Love those guys in the morning. They, they serenade me for an hour up to Durham. And in the afternoons, because Fox is already set on my XM radio dial, I just kind of roll with it, and I usually hear Whitlock and, and Wiley in the afternoons. And they're okay. I got in the car to come over here this afternoon, and Fox had Christine Leahy on, and I didn't have time for that. So I flipped over to ESPN to see what was going on. And I heard for a couple minutes. I don't listen to this guy with any regularity, but I, uh, your boy, Will Kane, your okay. big fan. Is that, is that a fair I'm not statement? a huge fan, but I did listen to him where I was like, man, this guy's actually okay. Well, here's the situation. <clears throat> As I drove in here, and it's only a few minutes worth of drive, they were examining the steps to take if you're attacked by an anaconda. <laughs> and they had the U.S. Uh, Peace Corps handbook for peace workers in the Amazon, and they were pulling out and talking people through the steps huh. as to what to do when they're attacked by an anaconda. I thought you were going to say they had the specialist. There's a person in America that's a specialist on fighting off the anaconda. I Nicki Minaj. <laughs> so I'm listening to this, and I'm, I know if it had just been you sitting here, I'd have been like, I'm going to finish this segment, and I'm going to find out how to escape the jaws of an anaconda, how to get out of the clutches and survive. Yeah. But I knew Steve was here, and I was like, Steve's here. I'm already late. I need to like walk in here and, and show that I'm a semi-responsible adult. So I rolled up in, but as I'm walking through the door, I thought, do we ever do segments where people are like, I got to like put off something important yeah. long enough to hear the end of this? And about halfway down the hall, I was like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> it really doesn't no. happen. But I promise you that by the time we end this during the breaks, I will have gone on, found that handbook, and I will know if I'm ever attacked by an anaconda how to get away. And apparently, I didn't know that. I, who who would have known? Apparently... Running away from an anaconda is not an option because they are faster than a human being. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how that is. They don't have legs, Trent. No. How is a snake that's like 60 feet long, how can that snake possibly move across the ground faster than I can? Just those muscles woggling after you. Waddling. Yeah, waggling. Okay, if I, not took, waddling, the, if I, took, the, if I took the most accomplished, no-legged athlete in America... And ask them to propel themselves along the ground. They would not be able to outrun me. I think the anaconda is one of the... <laughs> well, duh. But, so how can a snake with no legs possibly move I think the anaconda is one of the fastest animals on the planet. Steve. I don't know. We might have to put it to a test. What was whoa, your... What was your hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Dude. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I can outrun an anaconda, Trent. Dude, how is the blue whale the second fastest animal on the planet? It doesn't have legs either. 
But, but it swims. in its environment, I can buy that whole blue whale thing. Remember when Michael Phelps swam against the shark a couple yeah. years ago? Wasn't Ridiculous. that the lamest thing ever? Did you see that on TV? I did. Dude. So. Just just out of curiosity, because I was wondering, obviously you're not a zoology major. No, I'm not. What was your what was your major in college? I, I majored in physical education. Physical education. Yeah, All right, yeah. well, at least you put your degree in Yeah, some anatomy. Some okay. anatomy stuff. We well, anatomy. Yeah, yeah. So. How does a snake with no legs move faster I, I, than I do? I, I, I don't know. That, it waddles. It waddles. That's, I guess that's, <laughs> I don't that's, that's, that's the, as far as I don't think that's the terminology. <laughs> do, do you have this, or should we it's move not on? on? It's not on the top ten list of uh, fastest animals. Is cheetah still the fastest? Or is no. The blue the, whale uh, is the fastest? Peregrine falcon is number one. How fast is a how, peregrine 56 falcon? 56 miles an hour that's cruising speed. It can go up to, at when it's diving, up to 200 miles an hour. And although this is not its primary means of propulsion... The peregrine falcon does have legs, right? Yes. I rest my case. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm going to find. They're all birds. Everybody has legs so far. A sailfish is number six. 100, 110 kphs or 68 miles an hour. But you said a falcon was number one and the falcon yeah, that's moved 56. Six. Huh? What, what number is the falcon? Number one. You said the falcon goes 56 miles an hour, but the sailfish no, no, no. goes 68. The fastest is 200 miles an hour Shut at a up. dive. Who? What? The falcon. Make it did he say way. 200 yeah, miles an hour? Yeah. He said on the dive. He did say on the dive. Good night. They get moving. 200 miles an hour. That's NASCAR yeah. fast. So Daytona. the second fastest land animal is a proghorn antelope. It can go 60 miles an hour. And a cheetah can go faster, right? And can right? out-sprint predators. Yeah, the cheetah... 70 miles an hour, top wow. speed. All right, cool. I feel like we've beat this into the ground. Yeah, everyone just turned off the TV right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the final four is two weeks away. We made it through the first two rounds. How's your bracket look? Mine looks all right, actually. Yeah. I've gotten, uh, well, I mean, it's the bracket that I'm rooting for has 92% correct. Well, right now. Hold up. That's the ultimate front running. When you like put multiple brackets in, and now you're like, "Well, the one I'm really behind." Yeah, because it has the one that's doing well. It has somebody winning that I wanted to win. Who's that? I can't tell you. We're not doing that yet. I already told you my other one last time. All right, Steve, you missed the first two rounds, and what Trent and I did last week was we predicted all the first round games, then we predicted the games with our second round matchups. So we're into the third round now. Before we kick this off. Because you don't have a bracket in front of you, so I've got you cold mm-hmm. here. Oh, I'm going to give you through the break to figure it out. Okay. You're watching and listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so we were talking through the break with uh, with regard to our brackets, and we're, we're at odds here. 
straight. You're a multiple bracket guy all the way, right? Well, I'm not just gonna throw enough year. at the wall. No, and... no. <laughs> really? Usually, usually I pick one from my head and one from my heart. That's and this year, sweet. I looked at it and I didn't really like it, and I went with another one after our show. Actually, so you had you you did a total I have of three. three. All right, and Steve, you did one, yeah. but it was on accident. Well, I, I did one, and I usually stick with one. I almost did a second one, but I submitted a minute late, so I didn't wow. get to go with the second one. What, what, what if that bracket would have been well, perfect? I did have Oregon in that one. I didn't have my bracket now. So How far did you have Oregon going? I just had them winning the, the first game. Oh, oh. first two. First two. So they okay. still be playing right now, but I haven't right. Well, that bracket would be busted anyway because Oregon's just going to keep on winning. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm a one-bracket guy. It's the same with fantasy football. I play one team. Um, I don't like to sort of split my rooting interests. Right. I'm a simple man. And that's why in fantasy football, I just choose all the Bengals. So that way I don't have to root for anybody else. I'm yeah. just playing. I had made that up. Um, that's why he wins. Yeah. I am. I, I, that is kind of all I do at fantasy football is win. Pretty kind of how I roll. Pretty darn much yeah. from what I can tell. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't do all, everything in life well, but I can play some fantasy football. Um, so at this point, the first thing we have to talk about is Duke escaping UCF. Mm. And I've had 15 different conversations with 15 different people, and all of them have asked me the same thing. Do you still think Duke can win the whole thing? And there's been no hesitation in my answer, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Duke, down a bucket, late, escapes after – a lifetime performance by Aubrey Dawkins from UCF. I mean, played the game of his life for real, for real. Would have been one of the great storylines ever had UCF pulled this thing off. Zion Williamson misses the free throw. R.J. Barrett may have pushed in the back. (laughs) May have gotten away with an offensive foul on the rebound, but got put it back, and then UCF rims out a runner followed out followed by a putback that rims out and Duke escapes. What does this game tell you about Duke Trent? I I think they are able to handle pressure and take it more than I expected. Unfortunately, out of all the number ones, I still feel like Duke would be the prime candidate to be the team that gets upset. Because of the way they've been up and down, I don't think Zion has enough to take over where another team team that has senior leadership would be able to withstand what Zion has and do could end up losing. Steve, your thoughts? You know, I think that they need a game like that to see, you know, that they can lose to to help them practice this week, but I kind of in the same same thought process of I think they I think somebody's going to get them, and I think it might not even be the the first week first game of the weekend. I think it's going to be the second one where their depth starts to get them, or a team like Michigan State or LSU, whoever it may be, might be a little bit fresher in a in a second game of a weekend where they've got the two guys that they've got. And their guys are going to, have to play the whole game. They're going to be a little more worn down. So I think you make an interesting observation coming with four days rest. Into this game with uh, Tech, this yeah. is a team that's not going to give them anything they haven't seen before. Um, although it's an interesting matchup because of the style Vatech plays, the fact that Vatech's not going to be intimidated by him, uh, I think it's an interesting matchup. But that team, as thin as it is coming in off four days rest, I think Duke should win that one going away. Uh, Virginia Tech just struggles to score points. 
their defense is not going to pose any problems that Duke does not overcome. No. Now, Vatek is good enough that they're in there with a puncher's chance, right. but I fully expect Duke to get through that game. Um, what you hit on was the fact that they have to turn around on two days rest and play the winner of Michigan State and LSU. Michigan State and LSU. Mm-hmm. And LSU, Michigan State – Man, I talked about Kansas a couple weeks ago and said, you know, there's times Kansas looked like the best team in the country, and then there's times where I don't know the Kansas can beat anybody. Michigan State is that to me right now. I don't know what to make of this Michigan State team. Um, Tom Izzo taking a lot of grief right now for for getting into a player on the sideline. I, it's amazing that people are still upset about that. But I do think that the, t- the quick turnaround may be a factor. But I'm going to tell you right now, Y'all can say what you want to. You hit on that point, Steve. Every team in the tournament is going to have a game like this during the run to the finals. I think this was the best thing that could have happened to them. If they'd have gone in and beat UCF by 30, whether or not Coach K could have gotten their attention would have been up in the air. The fact that they had to play a max effort game, where Zion Williams is out there almost every minute, you know, it's a max effort game. They come, it's a lot of emotion. Had they had to turn around right right away and play again, it's a different animal. Oh, yeah. But you got four days off. They've got a chance to go back, get in the lab. The talking heads out there that say, well, UCF showed the rest of America the formula to beat Duke, shut up. Everybody knows Duke can't shoot. UNC did this to them in the regular season. It's Duke hasn't been infallible this year. If you want to beat Duke – Make them shoot the three. Yep. That's where their weakness is. I, I don't understand how people that watch so little college basketball get to be on a television during March Madness and say nonsense like that. How does that happen? I have no idea. They they get to be on TV and say nonsense all the time. Now, here's the deal. Michigan State, ideally, if they didn't have their injuries, and there's nothing we could do about that, Michigan State, hands down, would have been the best team in college basketball. Negative. If you want to eliminate injuries from a squad this year, Oregon would be the best team in the country. If you put Bowl Bowl back into that lineup with what they've got now fully healthy, Oregon's the best team in the country. That's just how I feel about it. Okay. And 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 that's that's qualified by saying I don't think anybody's incorrect at looking at Duke. But Duke is a flawed team. Um. But Oregon they wouldn't have, have been the best because they don't play the same competition. As you stated, the Big Ten is a lot stronger than everyone thinks it is. The Big Ten? Michigan State yeah. would have been the best team in basketball if they didn't lose their best player two weeks into the season. Well, well here's the situation. I, do, I did say that over the weekend, and I stand by it. I do think the Big Ten is a little bit better than people thought they were. Uh, they had a great first round, not such a great second round, and now they're in a situation where they're just knocking each other out. Um, but I think the Big Ten, the ACC was so dominant this year, I think that everybody else kind of got lost in the vacuum. And, yes, the Big 12 had a down year. The, yes, the Pac-12 had a down year. But I don't think the Big Ten was any worse this year than they have been in years past. I think they were. I think it's the second-best conference in the country by a long shot, whereas it used to be sort of, well, you got the Pac-12, you've got the Big 12, you got the Big 10, which one of these? I think the Big 10 was far and away the second-best conference in the country. Oh, absolutely. The Pac-12 barely got two teams in the tourney. Well, and they ended up with three with Arizona State going out 
boom, straight out of the playout game. Yeah, think about it. Arizona State played in, got and beat by Oregon, Buffalo. That's it. And Washington. That's oh, yeah, why. Washington. That's why I sit in this seat, Trent. <laughs> that's why. Why? I don't know, man. You look better on the left than the right. I, I don't. I don't disagree. But <laughs> back to what I'm saying about Duke. Them escaping that UCF game, in most years, teams that win a championship are going to have to have a game like this. And, you know, steel, sharp, and steel. Tennessee had a game like this. I I have to admit, here with the world watching, I turned the Tennessee game off. Yep. They were up about 24, and I was like, this is over. I was done, and I was doing something completely unrelated to college basketball, and I get an alert on my phone that, you know, Tennessee had just won in overtime. And I'm like, that happened? Come on, man. And then I had to go back and catch up on the whole Admiral Schofield wouldn't go back in the game type thing. It was kind of amazing. But Tennessee got that win out of their system. Um, I think that there's some teams out there people are watching right now that they realized teams are pretty good. Houston, very impressive in their win over Ohio State. If they shoot the ball the way they did against Ohio State, they're going to be a tough out. Um, this is the first time in the history of the 64 team format that all of the one through three seeds have gotten through the round of 16. That is an unbelievable statistic um, and really kind of validates the committee. You know, I had a lot to say about Buffalo's seeding. And yes, maybe Buffalo drew a tough seed when they had to play, you know, a number two team or number two seed, t- Texas Tech, in the second round. Buffalo in round one. Cruising past Arizona State while I was oh, yeah. feeling myself. You know, I had Buffalo into the Final Four. I've been talking about it all week. I got Buffalo. I love these kids. They came out. It was a close game at halftime, and then they don't score for about 10 minutes, <laughs> and they lose by 25. It's amazing how bad Buffalo looked in the second half. Um, I think that be prepared. That's a team that is reloading at this point. They've got two freshmen that play good minutes now. They'll just keep rocking and rolling. Nate Odom's got a nice – or Nate Oates, rather, has got a nice program there in Buffalo. They'll be back. But this was a year with C.J. Massenburg as in his senior year. If they were going to make a deep run, this was the year for him to do it. They didn't, and they made me look like an idiot. They have not, however, wrecked my bracket. And the reason they haven't wrecked my bracket is that Duke, UNC, and Tennessee are all still alive. We'll keep talking college hoops on the other side of the break. You're watching from the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, 
leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong. In the you know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, I got fame. All right, welcome back from the Chiefs. He's Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols, Coach Steve Perdue in the house. And Trent produced a gummy bear from somewhere. And this takes me back to the very beginning. You remember what we used to do? (laughs) Yep. Back in the day, we used to have one of our figurines from over on the wall. We would anoint one as the show's mascot. And I think the Tebow was the first one. Tebow, when I uh, donated my... Tebow Bronco quarterback yes. guy. He, he Tebowed. Is Tebow still in here? Tebow's there. Is he over there? All yeah. right. My favorite is the Griffey. There's a there's a King Griffey Jr. over there as well. In fact, there might be a couple Griffeys over there. I'm I mean, sure. My there favorite are. is the uh, Gretzky. Okay. Ranger. If the Randy Gretzky Moss going to one knee diving for the football is not bad either. But yeah, for the I don't think we have a shot of that wall. We'll have to we'll have to do that in future episodes and like come in with a a panoramic shot. I still don't have a Lee County football I know, I, helmet I, I, I on that. About, I thought about that on the way over here today. Okay, make all that right. Happen. Well, we, we, we'll get that. Yes, sir. I have a uh, Southern Lee one in my office at work I'll bring you. Do you really? Yeah. I got some stickers oh. we can fix that for you. How come you've never Simon said that before? Because it's mine from Coach Simon. Why would I want to get Simon on the way out of town gave everybody everything except no, me. He gave that to me his first year there. Donnie Clayton, if you're watching open. or listening, Donnie – who was doing the PA announcing, got this awesome pullover. And he was like, yeah, coach gave it to me and told me don't tell anybody. <laughs> Co- huh? Yeah. Come on, man. I had to make sure I bring the helmet. And next time we'll bring the Brick City trophy. And we'll oh, we put it, we'll we'll it for there. front and center. We'll, we'll bring no it next time. Too. In fact, <laughs> what we need to do is, is and, and we'll get with Wynn at some point down the road, but as you guys get in, in startup practice, oh, yeah. we need to do a full two-hour show with nothing but Lee County football. Yes, sir. Sounds good. And uh, we'll do a season preview show. And you if you lose, that, right? then you have to do the show with the Southern Lee helmet on. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hopefully, it's, I got a big head. I don't know. That's a pretty big, big helmet. <laughs> we, hey, we square that away. But, no, I think I think leading up to the season, we need to do a full two hours, nothing but Lee County. We'll do, like, a special edition, get a whole bunch of the kids in here, interview them, and all the rest of that. Of course, I, I have to qualify this, and this is not a knock against high school athletes. But interviewing high school kids is not always a lot of fun because it's like, you know, this whole long question, they're like, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And then especially if coaches in the room, they're looking over their shoulder like, you know, I can't say anything wrong. So it's, it's hard to get them to be candid, but we'll see if we can. We'll see if I we can could bring it out of them. All right. We're going we're gonna to roll through real quickly. Real and then quick. We'll, we'll, we'll dial this back and, and uh, 
and analyze some of this. But you've got Duke Vatek. I'm going to go around the table real quick. Duke Vatek and Michigan State LSU. Give me both your picks for the Sweet 16 games in the East. Vatek and Michigan State. I got Duke and LSU. Duke and LSU. I'm going Duke and LSU as well. I picked LSU to get knocked out early. They didn't, and now I'm I'm in with LSU. Yeah. LSU's a good ball club. Moving across to the south, Virginia and Oregon, and Purdue, Tennessee. Virginia, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee, go. Cavaliers and the Boilermakers. I got the, the Cavs, and I've got the Vols. I'm going to go with the Ducks and the Volunteers. Rocky Top, baby. Oh, yeah. But I, I love that Oregon team. They're back. They're healthy, minus Bowl Bowl, who's been shut down and is just getting ready for the NBA. But uh, I'm going to go with the Ducks and the Vols, so we're all over the place with that one. Uh, to the Midwest, North Carolina-Auburn in what ought to be a track meet based on the fact Bruce Pearl said, we're not going to slow it down. We're not going to make UNC play half court. We're going to run because that's what we do. You know UNC wants to play up and down. So you're looking at a track meet. UNC Auburn, and on the other side, what might be the best matchup of all of the games coming up this weekend, Houston and UK. So UNC Auburn, Houston, UK, what do you got? Although in a few years they'll be taken away, I've got Auburn, <laughs> and I will go with the city I used to live in, Houston. And I'll go Carolina and Kentucky. I'm gonna go Carolina. Oh, I got a lot of friends in Lexington, but I'm going with Houston. Houston looked really, really, they really did. good in the first two rounds. Their win over Ohio State was very impressive. That's an Ohio State team that's playing good basketball, and they really they were so much far and away the better team. Uh Kentucky's a little banged up. I'm not sold on Kentucky like that. I'm gonna go. Tar Heels and Cougs. And that brings us to the West, the portion of my bracket that is maimed, to <laughs> say the least. Um, you've got Gonzaga, Florida State, and Texas Tech, Michigan. Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, Michigan, go. Uh, my, <laughs> this is all upsets, huh? I'm going to go with Gonzaga and then. The last man that coached with my favorite man in the history of the universe of college basketball, I'll go with Texas Tech. Oh, you're talking about Bobby Knight? Yeah. yeah nicely done. Yeah, Thank I'm, you. I'm thinking rolling with, with Michigan, and I, I think I'll go with the ACC and go with Florida State. All right. I'm going to go with Texas Tech just because I hate Michigan. Simple as that. Yeah. Easy. And I said I took a lot of – blowback about Buffalo and all of the hype that I bestowed upon Buffalo last week. However, people forget how good they looked against Arizona State. And one person in particular called me out and said, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley recruited all those players to Buffalo. He knows what they do. Arizona State will blow them out. The opposite happened. Then Buffalo came out flat. Texas Tech got them. But Murray State, it was here. And I, you know what? Sometimes – we were talking about the restaurant business, how nobody ever has anything nice to say. This show is like that sometimes, where people want to chastise us for things that we say. I do have to say I got a lot of texts and a lot of love because a lot of people followed our advice and watched John Monroe, uh, uh, Morant 
for the first time, and we're like, oh, my God, that kid is that good. He was everything we bargained for. The first triple-double in seven years in the NCAAs, and then comes out against Florida State, and even though he got beat, was a one-man gang. John Morant solidified his place. He is going to be the second player taken in the draft. I'm certain of it. You're welcome. I picked them over Florida State in the second round, but I qualified that and said if Florida State gets out of that game, they're going to the Final Four, I'm going to stand by that. I'm taking Florida State over over Gonzaga, and I'm going to take Texas Tech over Michigan. Awesome. So your Final Four is still intact. Is that that correct? No, we have eight. We're at the Final Eight right now. No, no, no. But, I mean, your Final Four is intact because if you give your Final Four, then that's selecting from the Final from the next round, right? Yeah. Okay. So, who's your final four, just to remind everybody at home? Um, my final four is... <laughs> I didn't think it was that complicated a question. Michigan State. Boom. Uh, <laughs> You're about to get fired, dude. Steve, your final yeah. four. So, you got Duke and Michigan, and you've got... Ken- no, it's Kentucky. So, it's Carolina and... Tennessee. Carolina, Duke, Tennessee, Michigan. Michigan. Yep. That's your final four. Yep. You, that's how you do this. <laughs> when you put 15 brackets together, no, Trent, can't, can't remember them. you can't remember what's going on. <laughs> no, because I changed some of my picks. I, I know, because you put multiple Here. brackets together. All right, my final four is not intact. I have Michigan State, Florida State, Virginia, and Iowa State. Okay, so Iowa State is gone. It's so gone. Can. Yes. So who do you have in their place now? What are you doing? I'm going to go with uh, Auburn. Okay. So I had Duke, Tennessee, UNC, and Buffalo start this out. Buffalo's gone. I'm plugging Florida State in. I got Duke, Tennessee, UNC, Florida State. I still have Duke winning this whole thing. Boom. That's the end of it. I have Michigan State losing to Virginia. Virginia had that game, too, in the first round. Virginia did have that game. And they had the game... Last year, that they're still they are going to come back after being the first number one seed to lose to a sixteen and hoist the the championship. I said year. all year, I felt like Virginia would come into this Team tournament with a, with a chip on their shoulder, yep. and I thought they had a really good chance to win this whole thing. I don't think they generate enough offense. I just don't. And watching them struggle in the first round, I think it was a combination of nerves, a combination of being flat, but then the combination, the third factor in there, they have a hard time generating offense. They're going to have to play a couple teams on their way to the Final Four if they make it that far that don't have problems putting points on the board. Virginia and the principles they employ on defense are solvable by teams that have multiple weapons. I don't like Virginia any farther than where they've gotten. I think Oregon gets them. And even if they get through that, I think they get bounced again. I just well, don't see. Well, I think see. Tennessee or Purdue, the well, winner of that one will go to the Final Four. So even if I'm wrong and Oregon doesn't get them, you think that Purdue or Tennessee will or go Tennessee to the Final gets Four. Let me switch my brackets to another one here. Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with you. I'm done with you. The NBA is still playing basketball. Not. And this is, a, this is a funny week or two for the NBA. Um, we've talked all year about how the NBA is on this trajectory. They become, you know, the second sport in the land behind the NFL. But it nothing changes in March. The NBA might as well go on hiatus. Um, the NBA is still going on, and there's some interesting things happening. Not the least of which 
is the team that we anointed coming into the season as the Eastern Conference champions is firmly planted in the fifth spot and is going to have to play on the road to start the playoffs. Trent, talk for 60 seconds about the Celtics. Well, I think uh, the problem with the Celtics is Gordon Hayward has taken a lot longer getting back into it. I think that there's some uh, issues with the team gelling, with Kyrie trying to be the leader that he thinks he should be, where these younger guys are saying, well, shoot, dude, we were one game away from making it without you. Why do we care about you? Um, I think the problem is also that Brad Stevens gave Gordon Hayward too much time to try to work him back into game shape. Ultimately, it comes down to the chemistry is lost. Boston's in trouble. Kyrie is gone. Kyrie will not be back to the Boston Celtics next year. Now, who they go out and get. Now, when you say that, who who is driving that? Is it? Kyrie, or is it the franchise who's like, we're going to go a different direction? No, who's, who's I think at the hell? it's Kyrie that is driving that. Kyrie is gone. I think he has big plans. He's going to hook up with somebody where he can be the alpha dog and have his partner in crime, and they will meet up together. And I'm going to say who? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant will go, and him and Kyrie are going to make their their presence known with the New York Knickenbockers, and they will have the third wheel, Mr. Zion, with them. Boom. What? (laughs) Drop the mic. What just happened? New York Knicks next year. Zion, KD, and Kyrie. I will put it right now. Right now. I'm calling it. The Knicks. The Knicks. Kyrie, Durant, Zion. Yep. The only beef I have with you saying that is we've already said that on the show that that could happen. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, you're doubling down, but you're trying to paint it as if – you know, you've you've really done something there. No, because I said it before, and I'm just reiterating in that. So, All right. The most impressive part of the whole— But here's the deal. Boston's still going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Watch. Do you really believe that? Yep. So I, I got a question for you on the Zion thing. All right, Zion, you say Kyrie wants to be the alpha dog. If he goes to New York with Durant and Zion— is he going to be in the same situation in two years? No. Is he going, they're, going to, they're going to go with him? Kevin Durant is not the alpha dog. He doesn't Zion? need to be the leader. Kyrie will be broken down enough that he'll feed to Zion. They'll be able okay. to all live harmoniously okay. together. The only reason I don't believe in my heart of hearts that Durant, Irving, and Zion Williamson are all going to wind up with the Knicks next year is that James Dolan is the stupidest owner in pro <laughs> sports, and he'll find a way to screw this up. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because he shops the number one overall to bring Anthony Davis there. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know he's going to screw this up. And I was convinced at one point that Durant was headed to the Knicks. I honestly believe right now in my heart of hearts, Durant winds up with Brooklyn next year. Well, maybe they all. Like I mean, you said look before, at how good Brooklyn you, you is. You said Brooklyn's going to have two of those big dogs. I did say that, and I stand by it. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. 
If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Talking NBA right now, and we're man down. Just like that. Alone again. I'd always drive off all our guests. No, we, uh, Steve's got to go do adult stuff. They've actually got a baseball game over the school, and he's got to, uh, had to bounce over there. We knew that coming in. Um, I want to talk. We were talking about the fact that Boston is the five seed. You think they'll still take that, run with it, and get to the Eastern Conference Finals? I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility by any stretch. But here's my question to you. Of all of the things that have happened in the NBA this year, is there anything more impressive than the fact that Indiana is going to hold Boston off and get the four seed without Victor Oladipo? Um, no. There is zero more impressive than that. And when Oladipo went down, I mean, I thought, here we go. They're, they may not even make the playoffs. Yeah. They should have plummeted like the Lakers did because it was around the same time when LeBron went down in Oladipo, and they're both in that four spot, and the Lakers aren't making the playoffs, and the Pacers actually are in that same point. They're a better team now as a team without them. Just think. I mean, last year we sat here and said – what are the Pacers? What if the Pacers could add one or two more pieces with Oladipo? They would be boom. Yeah. Well, shoot, they added them, and I have no idea. I couldn't name you one starter on the Pacers right now. That's Not pretty one. unimpressive. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I used to be a big Pacer fan when it was the Hill, Paul George, Hibbert days. I'd go to games all the time when I lived in Indiana. But right now, I just assumed they were dead in the water, and I gave up. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a hodgepodge that's been thrown together out there. Frank Vogel should be coach of the year for the NBA, and it should be near unanimous. Well, I can't think of Frank any. Vogel's in Orlando. It's Nate McMillan. Is the oh head my coach. my fault. My fault. Thanks. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out, but no. Yeah, I'm glad you I said that because you're absolutely right. Yeah. And boom, you're right. And and when Bird got rid of Vogel. And they couldn't get anybody else because all of Indiana was screaming, we need change. This team is garbage. And McMillan was his bench coach. Everyone was like, dude, you're hiring the same thing that you did before. But McMillan, he, he's he got to be top dude. five of coach of the year. No, top five? Who who has done a better job this year? <sighs> give, me, give, give me anybody. Nobody. Uh, that's my point. I don't know. Well, okay, Pop. Talk. 
The Spurs. Do you really think so? I think the Spurs have done a. He's done a good job with what with what they went through. Wow. And now with what the team they have. I don't know. I'm. I, I mean, San Antonio is the team. I guess, and maybe we're spoiled by Pop. You just kind of pencil him in. But come on, man. I mean, you're still talking about Aldridge and DeRozan. I mean, you're talking about two top-shelf players out there. And, yes, they've had a lot of injuries. You know, it started the year with Deontay Murray, and it hasn't gotten any easier. But I don't know, man. If you got Aldridge and DeRozan, those are two all-stars. I'm not nearly as impressed. And when you look at Indiana, they're not making the playoffs with a game or two to spare. This team is 45-29 and right now. They've basically locked out Boston at this point. I'm I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed. Um, the bottom three that are going to get in the six, seven, eight spot in the East. Yeah, there's a lot to be determined right now, and that's a lot of fun. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm Milwaukee or Toronto, I am tuned in every single day to see what happens with Brooklyn. Nobody wants to play the Brooklyn Nets. That team, when has Brooklyn been good? I mean, it's all the way back to before Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, really. Yeah. This Nets team, if you add a piece or two without destroying the chemistry that's there next year, whew, look out. This year, D'Angelo Russell, we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. I don't think there really is an argument to be made for anybody else to be the most improved player in the NBA. Yeah. This is the you call it your comeback, call it most improved. I don't care. D'Angelo Russell is a legitimate star in the NBA right now, and uh, he's doing it on a stage that, if a little bit of light is shown on Brooklyn, can be as bright a stage as there is in the NBA, short of the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell is part of the future of the NBA if he stays there in Brooklyn. I really truly believe that. That's well, a team nobody's going to play. Philly should be more scared about Brooklyn. If, than if Toronto Philly has to play Milwaukee, Brooklyn in round one, Philly's one and done. Yeah, absolutely. Philly is the one team on here. I have zero faith. If they get to play Boston, Boston will beat them. I know the other night Philly beat them and beat them by ten or whatever. They had like fifty-three or uh, free throws, and Boston had like ten. Yes, Philly does not have the mental. St- will and strongness or coach to beat anybody in this playoffs. I I disagree with that statement. If they get anybody in the first round other than Brooklyn, I feel like they're going to be okay. I feel like they just have enough star power. They've got Embiid, Simmons, Butler, Harris. That That talent there, I feel, is just too much for anybody else. If they draw Brooklyn in the first round, if Brooklyn creeps into that sixth spot – I think Philly's going home. Well, then they have to go to either Indiana and Boston in the next round. I don't think I. I don't expect Philly to make it through the second round. Period. It doesn't matter who they pull. Okay. I just don't feel like in a seven-game series they can beat anybody that's in the upper echelon. That's just where it's at. And the one and the downside of the way things are broken for them is they can't pull Indiana in the second round. Mm-mm. And Indiana is the one team that's probably doing it with smoke and mirrors that may not translate to the second round or to into the playoffs where you know teams get serious and they play lockdown defense. Indiana doesn't have a guy they can go to in crunch time in these big games. That concerns me. I'd love to see him make a run. I think it'd be fun, 
but I don't suspect that they're going to. And that's why I think Boston this year can advance because of Kyrie. And that's kind of what they were missing last year. And I'm not trying to be a homer. Because well, they I'm weren't missing Stevens much fan. last year, Trent. They but were they within a couple of minutes down. of going to the yes, finals. Yes, I know, but they didn't have that closer, and they have that in Kyrie I, right I now. disagree with you. I think that Jason Tatum played the role of closer last year, and I think watching him in the playoffs, everybody out here assumed, okay, the rise is going to be meteoric. He's on this trajectory. He's going to be a star very, very soon. This year he's taken a step back, and I don't believe that it's – with the development of his skills, it's been in his opportunities to showcase the skills. Jason Tatum right now still, even though Boston is very up and down, even when they're playing well, I feel like Jason Tatum is pushing to get his shots and get his moments because he's playing abbreviated minutes. I don't think there's any lack of skill there. Um, And Kyrie not being back next year, maybe that fixes everything. I tend to think not, though, because here's here's how the way I still see the Boston Celtics. Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in a perfect world all play small forward. That's the bottom line. Boston can try and trot out positionless basketball and all the rest of that, but in the end, that's not what they do. They've got three guys there that in their in a best situation for them all play the same position. Boston is in a position right now, or was, assuming that Gordon Hayward was going to come back healthy, we're in a position of strength. Now they're in a situation where it's kind of wait and see with Gordon Hayward, but I think, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I just really believe that by the time we get to opening day of 2019-2020, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum will not be a Celtic anymore. And it could be that part of that is, you know, that Jason Tatum goes as the headline in a package for AD. It could be that Jalen Brown goes in a smaller deal. I don't know what it is, but it's just hard for me to envision both of those guys being on the team because they're stunning the growth of both of them. Yeah. And you're a closer observer than the Celtics. Am I wrong? No, I don't think so. I don't think you're wrong. I think that. You know, they try to use Brown more at the two, and he's not really overly fit for that. I think a lot of this year, these guys have taken a step back. And you can look at it, yes, their record may not be great without Kyrie, but that unit that they put out there when he's not there with Rozier, Brown, Tatum, Horford, they play well together. They're a really strong team. But they don't have – they have more experience this year. They don't have something – if they would add Kyrie last year, they would have beat the Cavs. I'm sorry. Well, it doesn't do any good to speculate because the bottom of the Eastern Conference table is still so convoluted. And, you know, these teams have anywhere between nine and six games still left to play. And they're you've got five teams within a game and a half to play. We'll talk a little bit more about the NBA on the other side of the break. You're watching and listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to 
to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour. You know, every once in a while, there comes down to the final four, and there are a couple of perfect brackets out there waiting to be destroyed. To be destroyed yeah. in that last minute. This year, this is a weird year. All of the one, two, and three seeds have made it through into the Sweet 16. So you would think that would be a good indicator that there's, you know, lots of people that have gotten this right. There just haven't been a whole lot of upsets. Now, I do have to puff my chest out a little bit because I took the crow and I ate that whole joker over Buffalo and the fact that I was on the Buffalo train. But I did correctly pick all of the 12-5 upsets. Had I gone chalk for most of the rest of the bracket, I'd be in good shape. I didn't, you know. So I'm yeah, not. But who really does? Who, who really does at this point? And here's my point, is that this bracket has been more chalk than any other bracket we've seen in forever. How many perfect brackets exist out there right now in cyberspace? Probably four. In the NCAA March Madness Challenge, sponsored by Capital One, there is one perfect bracket. One. How is that, man? That's a little. De- I'm a little depressed by that whole situation, man. That's an Oregon fan going chalk on everything but Oregon. That's what that is. It must be what I bet it is a Duck fan. Yeah. I bet it's Sean Powell. It might be. Let me see. Is he here? No, I don't see him, little guy. Where are you at? I miss Sean, man. I'm gonna have to call him after the after the. After I think the he's show. busy. I think he's uh, starring in The Wizard of Oz as the lead Munchkin. <laughs> Love you, Sean. <laughs> love you, love you, love you. Um, anyway, back to the NBA. We were we were talking, as we do, um, about what's going on in the NBA. And I got I, I have to say that there was a lot of hoopla with the whole Anthony Davis situation in New Orleans. When New Orleans was like, we're going to sit this guy. You know, we're not going to play him. And the NBA came back and said, hey, we're going to find you every day that he doesn't suit up or doesn't play, rather. And – Adam Silver came out and he talked about tanking and it's bad for the league. Mark Cuban is, is you know got fined a while back for talking about tanking. I gotta say, there's some good basketball being played right now. 
And it's a little surprising because you look at the East in particular, and I just talked about the fact that you've got right now Detroit 37 and 36, Brooklyn is 38 and 37, Miami is 36 and 37, Orlando, who is playing really good basketball right now, by the way, is 36 and 38, and then Charlotte is 34 and 39. Charlotte is a prime example of a ter- of a team that is most likely at this point on the outside looking in, and they are breaking their butts trying to win every single ball game. And the cynic in me says, man, why don't they just coast? Why don't they take their foot off the gas? And I watch them, and I'm like, good for them, man. Good for them. Atlanta is another team. Atlanta's been eliminated for a long time. Atlanta's going out there and they're, you know, they're playing balls out and they're putting up 120 a night. Um, Trey Young for Rookie of the Year is fool's gold. Don't believe that is Doncic's award, period. He is your Rookie of the Year. Don't buy into the whole Trey Young hype. Um, but I am surprised that outside of the Knicks and the Suns, nobody's tanking. Now, John Morant, we talked about him at Murray State, is as dynamic a point guard as there is out there. He's a little reckless with the ball, but his talent's undeniable. He probably needs to put on a few pounds before he gets into the NBA. But with the size, speed, explosive combination, and he's a pass-first guy, if the draft lottery awards based on worst records, the Knicks have the first pick in the draft. Check? Check. Let's say for the sake of argument that Phoenix gets the number one pick. I think that's the worst-case scenario for Phoenix fans. Oh, no. Let me tell you why it's not. If Phoenix gets this number one pick, as great as Zion Williamson is, they are Ja Morant away from being a legitimate title contender immediately. They have to take Zion if they're number one. Here's what I do if I'm Phoenix. I go against the grain and I hold the Knicks hostage. And I want the number two pick in the draft and I want three future number ones for them to take Zion Williamson at one. And then I get the guy I want anyway with John Morant. You go so Danny I get Angel. John Morant and three ones. You go Danny Ainge on them. Yes. What they did to Philly. But you're saying if you're if you're Phoenix, you stand fast. Well, you would have to, but I was thinking the exact same thing. I say you leverage that and then go and be the second pick. Absolutely. Okay. You, but you cannot not take Zion at number one, so that would be the worst because I agree with you. They're a jaw away from being dude, a heck of a team, dude. you imagine with Devin Booker? <laughs> who is the most undercovered superstar in the NBA. Devin Booker goes out and puts up 27-28 a night, gets 30 on any given night, and nobody ever gets to see him play because he's on the second-worst team in basketball. Do you take Zion and then you trade for Ball? Well, here's what I – well, that's an, that's an idea because Lonzo Ball apparently wants out of L.A. Um, he's still butthurt, and we'll talk about the whole – Big baller brand thing here in a little bit. That'll be fun. Do you trade for ball or do you just parlay something? I mean, is it Terry Rozier? Is it something? Because there is nobody that can run the point in Phoenix right now. That is their problem. 
They have a wing scorer that's as good as anybody in basketball. They have a good young big man. And when I say good young big man, I'm understating that. DeAndre Ayton is a star in the making out there. So they have their big. They have that. They have some other pieces. T.J. Warren, Josh Jackson, they've got nice pieces out there. You put a point guard in there that can take the pressure off Booker and get him the ball and can work the post and pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton, Phoenix would be so scary so fast. Mm -hmm. It kills me. Last offseason when LeBron was making his very abbreviated World Tour, where's LeBron going to end up? I told you Phoenix is where he should have gone. I mean, he, Booker, and Aiton out there is better than anything L.A. can put together. And Booker's on a huge contract. Aiton is cheap for the next four or five years. So whether they take Morant or Williamson with that number one pick or the number two pick, which is where they're going to be, where they're slotted right now, I think Phoenix is in the catbird seat. I don't know who the point guard's going to be. If they stay and take Morant, I think that fills a hole. If they were to get Zion Williamson and add a Lonzo Ball or a Terry Rozier or or Kyrie Irving. Oh, my God, Trent. Think about that for a second. Yeah, but this also disrupts the Knicks' plans. Because I don't think the Knicks want to build off of a young potential superstar point guard. Well, wait so a minute. They're, whoa, whoa, stop, they're stop, stop, stop. Because you just forgot, and that's – the whole thing is the Knicks have a young superstar point guard in the making. Dennis Smith Jr. is oh, playing yeah, 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 great yeah, yeah, basketball yeah, yeah. out there. He probably at this point is the only legit piece you have in place that you can build around. So no matter what you do, you've got Knox. Dennis Smith. And that's why I'm hesitant when I say, well, Kyrie could wind up in, in New York. He could. And you know what? New York could build, but New York could do it more efficiently if they held on to Dennis Smith Jr. and built around not I'm not saying that they're building the team around him, but if they left that block in place and didn't try to replace that block and then parlay Smith. So A D and K D and Zion to the Knicks would make more sense than Kyrie, K D and Zion. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And only because if you're bringing Kyrie in, okay, great, what do we do with Dennis well, Smith that's Jr.? The we already know Kyrie can't play off the ball. We know now that Dennis Smith cannot play off the ball. So you've got two guys, and it's great depth, but you got two guys that are too talented to be on the bench somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't that's why Kyrie to the Knicks doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. Now, if the Knicks I don't know that the Knicks have enough ammunition to get Anthony Davis away from the Pelicans without giving them the number one or the number two pick in the draft. The number one pick, if the Knicks have it, they have to stand fast and take Zion Williamson, period. Period. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're taking the greatest college basketball player in the last 20, 30 years and putting him on the biggest stage in the world in New York City. You can't screw that up. Now, Zion could get hurt. Zion could decide that, you know, he loves the ladies too much to work out. He could not progress. A lot of things could happen. But this is as safe a bet as you're going to get. This kid is an animal. So the Knicks. He could go back to Duke. uh, Well, he could. If they don't win the title, they could all say, you know what, we're all staying. Even if he does win a title, but he has nothing to gain. (laughs) You know, I can look at, I can can make a case with R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones, any of the guys that came out last year for Duke, I can make a case that if they go back, they're better prepared. Wendell Carter Jr., prime example. 
Had he gone back, I think his game would have been more NBA ready. He wouldn't be buried in the rotation in the Bulls, you know, not doing much, frankly, on a bad Bulls team. But he didn't. He went. Zion Williamson, there is no argument to be made about any virtue in him returning to Duke next year. There's none. I'm on the record as having said, if I was R.J. Barrett, given his situation, I would go back to school with an, with an assurance from Coach K that I could run the point. And I would run the point and come out. I honestly believe that given another year of seasoning at Duke running the point, R.J. Barrett could come into the league and be every bit as effective, if not more so, than Ben Simmons. I honestly believe it. The knock on Barrett right now is he doesn't shoot well from the perimeter. Well, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot at all from the perimeter. There is not much else on a basketball court that Simmons can do that R.J. Barrett can't. He's a little bit bigger than Barrett, but just a little tiny bit. And R.J. Barrett is every bit as talented in every other facet of the game. That's my feeling on it. Trey Jones, if he comes out, should go undrafted. I don't know if what his plans are. I don't know how his brother's adventure through the NBA is going to impact him. He now is sort of a quasi-starter in Minnesota several years down the road. Um, Tyus Jones was a better, he was a better ball player than, than his brother. I mean, that's just it. He was a more gifted offensive player. We'll talk a little bit more about that given the Western Conference of the NBA on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Alright, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Talking NBA hoops right now. We kind of diverted off into to Duke territory. I don't know how that happened. I gotta tell you, I am baffled by some of the things. Um, first of all, let's talk about Portland first. You know, Portland made a couple moves near the deadline, and they became a sexy pick to get to the Western Conference Finals. There were actually some old NBA heads that were saying they felt like Portland could beat Golden State. No sooner did that happen, C.J. McCollum hurts his knee. Then they get good news that McCollum's coming back earlier than expected. And Yusuf Nurkic, who's having the best year of his career, oh, my God. Yeah, that was uh, brutal. I mean, For those of you that didn't see, went up for a rebound in a double overtime game against Brooklyn, came down, and his leg disintegrated. It's as bad an injury as you're ever going to see on TV. Yeah. Well, they they expect he's going to make a full recovery, but it's going to be a long time. I mean, my heart goes out to him. I mean, he's going to be fine. It's going to take a while, but 
what is it? Snake bitten. These I, Portland Trailblazers fans, like Greg Oden. You like? I mean, every time they turn around, something happens. I don't know. And that's a team. You know, it's it's kind of wild because they play on the West Coast, and they're a legit West Coast playing in the middle of the night type team. So a lot of folks, you know, east of the Mississippi, don't see a lot of Portland. Portland has the best collection of guards in the NBA period. You've got McCollum and Lillard that are your starters, and that's about as good a backcourt as anybody's going to trot out there. But Rodney Hood coming off as that third guard, sort of plays the two, plays the three, um, leads the offense when none of those got when when Lillard and McCollum are out of the game. Rodney Hood is as good a third guard as anybody, and then the fourth guard they have coming in the mix is Seth Curry. And people don't realize, depending upon what day it is and how many shots he's hit, he's the most accurate three-point shooter in the history of the NBA. Um, Steph's little brother is is a ball player. And as a fourth guard in that rotation, there is nobody that trots out a backcourt like that. They made some moves and had just enough front court players led by Nurkic. They looked on the cusp of really doing something special. This Nurkic, I don't think they can overcome this. No. And I think they're in danger of going one and done. This is a team they're probably going to hold on to the four spot, which means – they pull either the Clippers or the Jazz in round one. Ugh. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if they do hold on to the four, even if they go down to the five, I think Utah takes them out again this year. Uh, well, of course, Portland, one of the big underachievers last year in the playoffs, went yeah, out got round bounced. one, got bounced by the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, in in a, a got swept. Yeah. As crazy they were the three seed. as that six, seven, eight spot in the eight in the in the East is, it's bananas because in the West, the eight playoff teams already decided. Um, mathematically, it's not quite necessarily there, but your eight playoff teams, Golden State, Denver, Houston, Portland, um, all of which are still in the in the mix to move up or down. And then the second half of that is Utah, the Clippers, the Spurs, and the Thunder. The Thunder, three weeks ago, legitimately had a chance to make a run and become the two seed, are the eight seed now. And as good as they were playing for most of the season, it's just kind of falling apart, man. And going coming out of the All-Star break, looking at the schedule, the Thunder had a, it was a horrifyingly tough schedule. But then they had this stretch closing out the season where they were playing 10 to 15 games at home. They've not capitalized. I All I want, all I want out of the Western Conference playoffs is for the Thunder to not have to play Golden State in round one. Yeah, I think the way I'm looking at it, I think Oklahoma makes a little run here. I think they're going to end up being the five seed. Utah is going to end up being the four. And Portland's going to drop to six. If OKC gets Portland in round one, if if OKC is able to get to the five, I think and they'll Portland get Utah on, in round one. Well, I'm going to tell you right now: if the Thunder get Portland in round one, they'll sweep them. Period. Oh yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you like this: as long as OKC is not the eight seed and has to play Golden State in round one, Oklahoma City's going to the Western Conference Finals. I honestly believe that. And I'm just I'm, I'm I'm refusing to accept what I see right now. So you think they could if they end up the seven seed? You think they'd knock out Denver? Yep. 
The team nobody talks about? The team nobody talks about. And I think OKC is the uh, – I know in my heart of hearts, OKC is the only team that could possibly end up in the seventh seed that can beat Denver. And one of the reasons for that, and this is an understated part of what's going on with the Nuggets, the Nuggets are almost unbeatable at home. Mm-hmm. They just run people into the ground. They run them into the ground, that thin air. Nobody can compete with them They have in the best Denver. record at home, 30-6. and six. That's what I'm saying. They're almost unbeatable. Denver at home, the only team I feel like can get that seven and match up with them is the Thunder. Who's the second best team at home this year? Take a guess. Toronto. San Antonio. Are you kidding me? And so right now, Denver would have to play San Antonio. That's a heck of a matchup. Oh, wow. That could be two here, two there. You know, that's pretty wild. San Antonio has the second best home record. Yeah, in they're twenty nine and eight, and then that Toronto, Philly, and Indiana are twenty nine and nine at home. Wow, that's unbelievable. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Milwaukee and Denver are tied for the best record at home. They're tied for the best record. Okay, but the second best is San Antonio. That's bananas. Wow. All right. I, I like your prediction. I don't know. I think the team that nobody talks about is going to have that forever ingrained in my head picture of Matumbo laying on the ground, squeezing that basketball like he's going to pop it, celebrating. I think Denver's going to make a run. I think it's going to go chalk in the Western Conference, and uh, Denver and Golden State will be in the uh, Western Conference Finals. All right, so you uh, who, who do you think winds up in the four seed? In the West. Do you think Portland holds on? I think Utah will end up the four seed, and I think OKC will end up the five seed. Oh, man. Boy, Utah's got work to do. They got, they're got they down two and a half games with eight to play. I don't know if Portland will win another game. They're going to drop the next three games at least. Wow. And drop. And I think OKC and Utah are going to make runs, and they're going to flip-flop, and Portland's going to end up the sixth seed or seventh. Wow. Well, the good news for them is they can't possibly fall out of the playoff picture. Because C.J. McCollum's not coming back quick enough for to make this last stretch. What is there, seven games left, six well, games left? I, I, yeah, the McCollum injury doesn't hurt as much because Hood steps in. I, I don't think it's a killer. When you take Nurkic out of the game, that, that just that changes you things. you got to put right. in Enos Cantor or whatever oh. his name well, is. Well, you know, it's a good thing they picked up Cantor now. Yeah, he's not, not going to give you everything that – they had, but honestly, though, and, and this is an interesting thing. Canner's one of those guys. If Canner, for my money, is the worst max contract in the history of the max contracts. Yes, um, right up there among those. But Canner is a guy that believes he ought to be playing premium minutes for a premium team. Now he's going to have the opportunity. Maybe he takes hold of that and shows the world you guys are wrong about me. You know, the the potential I showed out there with OKC, the rest of that, they got me that max deal. That's who I am. I, I don't know. I hate it for Portland. I hate it for Portland fans. Um, How are the Clippers here? I have no idea. Who's even on the Clippers? But I, I do have to apologize to the entire Rivers family because I have bashed Doc Rivers <laughs> many, many times over the years. I've always thought – and, and still do. I'm not going to take back what I said. I've always felt like he got too much credit for the Boston championships. 
because he had the best personnel in the world when he won those when he won the titles. Then he went out there to the Clippers with all this hoopla and, and didn't, got rid of didn't the whole sniff team. <laughs> a championship with Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan. And I always felt like Doc Rivers was part of the problem. Now he finally is back to having a team devoid of stars, and he's looking like Brad Stevens. And that's what he said he didn't want. He was not, he didn't have the energy to go through a rebuild. And boom. But they're not He's rebuilding. Been in a rebuild. Is it a rebuild? I mean, when you're you're when you're you get rid in, of your three best players, it's got to be a rebuild. Brother, they're forty four and thirty. I in know. The Western Conference. It doesn't. I don't know. And I mean, to give context, they're twelve games <laughs> up on the Lakers. Best team in you know, LA, they're baby. Eleven teams better than the than the the Timberwolves, who have a legit superstar. Hmm. Had at the beginning of the season two legit superstars. I. I don't know what to tell you, man. The Clippers, first of all, play real defense. And the projection all season has been, well, it's going to catch up to the Clippers. You know, they're going to come back to the pack. Now, to compound this, they have a first-round pick that conveys to Memphis this year if they make the playoffs. So the thought process was, well, the Clippers are going to, you know, they're going to kick the can down the road so they can hold on to that one. No. Jerry West is out there and everything he touches turns to gold. They, I, I don't know. They're Drew, averaging the second highest points per game in the Western Conference. The problem is they're giving up the second highest points per game. I mean, they're just that kind of team. Hey, I I don't even begin to know what to tell you. It's unbelievable. But the Clippers are in there, and now it's a question as to where they wind up sort of. I mean, you look at it, they may end up in the fours. I think the four spots right there to be taken, unfortunately. I don't think Portland holds on. It's only two games. I think you're probably right. You're ignoring the fact that Houston is only half a game up on Portland in that three spot. But Houston and Harden are playing well enough right now that I think Houston holds that three spot. Um. Yeah, I mean Utah's so, too far back to catch Houston. Houston's I think not going to collapse. The Clippers, Utah, or OKC could slide. I mean, I think all these teams could slide up. Portland probably falls as far as maybe the sixth seed. Well, it could be Utah, the Clippers in the first round, right there. We've invoked Houston now, and that brings us to the question of the day: the Greek freak. Sorry. How do you how do you reconcile that? We'll see on the other side of the break why Trent feels like Giannis is your MVP and Chris is all in on James Hart. You're listening from the cheap seats. You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. 
Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Alright, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. And I'm serious. Serious right now, Trent. Uh Uh-oh. James Harden's averaging 36.4 points a game. That is 8.2 points per game, higher than the second-highest scorer in the league, which is Paul George. And Paul George is having an unbelievable season. Nobody since the merger has outpaced the pack anything like what Harden is doing this year. There is no dispute about the fact James Harden is the MVP this year. The magical number for teams out there to win an MVP is 50. Russell Westbrook did it without that, but he did something unprecedented and averaged a triple-double, something we'd only seen once before. What Harden has done is stunning in terms of his dominance. And I hear people say, well, it's easier to score in the NBA now. There's no defense, blah, 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 blah. He's eight points better than the second best scorer in the league. There is nobody doing anything in his sport right now that is more dominant. Nobody does anything better than anybody at the level Harden scores better than anybody else in basketball. Make me the case for Giannis to be the MVP over Harden. One category you have to look at. Sure. Field goal percentage. Oh, he's efficient. Giannis is a fifty-eight point two, and Harden's at forty-three. So you take away that efficiency from Milwaukee, and they're probably battling right now the Celtics for the five seed. Okay, if you take Harden off of the Rockets, they're not in the playoffs. So that nullifies your argument. Try again. If he was the real MVP, they would be the one seed right now. Milwaukee's the best team in basketball, and it's all because of the Greek freak. Are they the best team in basketball, or is Golden State Warriors the best team in basketball? No, Milwaukee is right now in the regular season. Interesting. Interesting. Do you know the last time... Anybody averaged 36 points a game in the NBA? 
It was uh, Michael Jordan. What year? 1996. No, 1986. It was 32 years ago. Do you know the last years ago time was the last time anybody averaged more points than James Harden is scoring right now? Did you know the last time anybody averaged 27.4, 12.6, and 6 assists? When? I don't know. I was asking you oh. if you knew. <laughs> I love that you did that. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from Giannis. And, and you know, if Brandon was here, he would be quick to say, Chris was on that Giannis train a couple years ago before anybody else was. And I said, Giannis is going to play for an NBA championship in the next couple of years. Period. I believe that. I believe Milwaukee is going to come out of the East. And if they don't do it this year, I think they'll do it next year. The future is bright for this kid. He is an amazing, amazing asset for the NBA as a whole right now. There's no doubt about that. But don't get lost in this. That team that they've put together up there in Milwaukee is really, really, really good. They stole Eric Bledsoe from the Phoenix Suns. I will never, as long as I live and breathe, understand what the now deposed GM of the Phoenix Suns was thinking when he gave away Eric Bledsoe. Chris Middleton is a legitimate all-star. You've added Nikola Nikola Miritich to that squad now. They are deep. They are good. Malcolm Brogdon would be the starting point guard in a lot of NBA cities. That is a good ball club. Giannis puts him over the top. That's the straw that stirs the drink. If you take Houston, if you think Chris Paul and Clint Capella would be the third seed in the NBA, I got some land for you to come check out. I got a brochure. It wouldn't happen. Harden put that team on his back when Chris Paul went down and has never looked back. In the last 56 games, he's averaging 40-7-7. and and 40 points a game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. That's unbelievable. That's video game numbers. Okay, if if you take Giannis out of the Bucks, how many will they win? Could they win a playoff series if yeah. you shut him down? Um, I don't know. If you shut down, Harden, I don't know, but I can assure you, there's enough talent that I honestly believe. Uh, here's okay. Here's what we'll say: Jabari Parker had to bounce out of Milwaukee this past year. There wasn't a salary cap room to bring him back. If Giannis were eliminated from the equation and Jabari Parker were still back there, that's a playoff team. I honestly believe that. Are they somebody that's going to threaten to win the Eastern Conference crown? No. But I, I you, Jabari Parker, Middleton, Bledsoe, Miritich, the rest of that cast up there, I honestly believe that's a really good team. A four or five seed probably in the, in the East. I, I really believe that looking at that. How is it how can you make a case that they're not in that position? I don't know that you can. I look at Houston right now, and Houston is in their basketball royalty right now. And Chris Paul is playing on two bad knees. And after that, their third best player probably is Kenneth Fareed, who got run out of Denver. Why isn't Russell Westbrook the MVP again? That's a great question. He's averaging a triple-triple again this triple year. triple-double. Triple-double. It'd that be cool be if he a averaged three, a triple-triple. Three times in a row. 
Well, that you That's know, Brandon and I had that conversation a couple weeks ago, and it validates for me the argument that Brandon has made for years that we don't appreciate LeBron James because we've seen it so many times. Russell Westbrook is having the best season of his career right now. His points are down. His offensive efficiency as a scorer are down. But Russell Westbrook, for the first time in his career, has truly embraced the role of playing point guard. He defers to Paul George. That's what makes them so dangerous when they get into a seven-game series. I can't put my finger on what their problem is right now. At one point in the first half of the season, I thought the Thunder were playing the best basketball in the West, period. Now they've kind of there's some blips on the radar. Part of it is that Paul George is banged up a little bit, and that's a small piece of it. But there's been some bad luck involved. There's been some close calls. You had Russell Westbrook get suspended for the one game. There's all these little things that have added up. And you take that and compound it with a difficult schedule, and now all of a sudden they've gone from being a possible two, a probable three, to maybe being the eighth seed in the West. It's amazing how quickly that's happened. But you can't get lost in the fact that, you know, all of the West is that good. And it didn't take much for the Thunder to come back down to the pack. I still, though, when I look at that roster up and down, and you start with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Paul George, we can argue all we want about Giannis or Harden being the MVP. I think the third best player in the NBA this year has been Paul George. Then you look at Russell Westbrook, what he's done. I'm not sure he's not the fourth best player in the NBA. And if the NBA, if the voting were done for the MVP and Russell Westbrook were to win this year after averaging a triple-double again, I got no problem with that. Um, it's not going to happen. But if you take and you look at what he's doing, all of a sudden when you start to think about it in that context, you got this guy that's averages in triple-double, Paul George, who's third in the MVP voting, all of a sudden you look across at Golden State and you're like, which one of those guys is even in this conversation? And then, okay, who's the second and the third guy out there? I'm not sure if I'm just trying to come up with a reason for Golden State not to be – a prohibitive favorite, or if maybe it's not as big a deal as it was. I I, I don't know. We're, we're going to see in these playoffs. I don't think that Golden State has that air of invincibility anymore, but it may just be because we're so used to it. We're like, eh, I don't know. They've lost six games this year by 20 or more points. They have. Golden State. Which, That's scary. It's scary. But it's not alarming. And they've to me. lost eleven games at home. It's not alarming to me because I, I just feel like <coughs> Golden State's going to turn it on when they turn it on. Well, I think the Golden State are like where the Bulls were. You know, they're just like let's just get into the playoffs and then we'll we'll do what we do. I'm sure there's something to that. The difference, though, is that Golden State. The refrain when they picked up Boogie Cousins, well, they added one of the best centers in basketball, and now they're just going to go to this next level. I'm not sure that it's worked out the way anybody thought it was going to. I don't think they're a better team with Boogie Cousins than they were two years ago or three years ago. I just don't see it. It doesn't translate to me. If anybody gets nicked up amongst Curry, Durant, or Thompson, they are beatable this year. I honestly believe that in my heart of hearts, and that's not me trying too hard to come up with a reason to make this postseason interesting. I do still have to say that if everybody stays healthy 
Boogie gets his ring right along with the rest of them, and they win another title. Yeah. You agree? I agree. I think Golden State, I've said it all along. I think this is Golden State's title, and until they get knocked off, I'm going to think that they win. They have the team, and I can't wait to see them in the playoffs, how they play. I would like what you said. I need OKC not to be the eight seed. Yes, I don't want Golden because State I think OKC, OKC in the first round. Yes, no, definitely. I, I do not want that. I think Denver will give Golden State problems if they make the Eastern, the Western Conference Finals, but I would love to see OKC get that far. Yeah. I mean, if it had lined up perfectly, if you were trying to build a bracket to beat Golden State, Denver would slip and fall to the four seed. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. Golden State's only half a game up on Denver. If Denver gets to the one line and, and Golden State's the two and then they have home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals, that's another variable in the favor of the Nuggets. I don't think the Nuggets can beat Golden State in a seven-game series. I, I just don't believe that they can. Um, I'd love to see it happen. I'd love for anybody to beat Golden State, but I don't think Denver's the team to do it. Denver is a well-balanced team. Um, Nikola Jokic is – the best big man in basketball, period. Sorry, Joel Embiid. Sorry, everybody else. Jokic is that guy. But I don't know if he generates enough offense to get them over the hump yet. We got 15 more minutes to go. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, we've been on this wild ride through the NFL playoff picture here for the last half hour or so. And even the NBA playoffs. What did I just say? NFL. Dude, I think we'd be amiss. I'm tired. We'd be amiss if we didn't give Brandon a little shout out here. Shout out. Not a shout out, a shout out. So Brandon hasn't been here for our March Madness. Madness, all right? Well, Brandon said. Keep an eye on Virginia Tech. They're the team to watch, okay? His final four picks, right? Duke, Michigan, Virginia, and this is the big shock. As a lot of the nation is turning to the Tar Heels to make it to the finals, he's going with he Kentucky. Them. He turned his back on the Tar Heels. He turned his baby blue into a darker shade of blue. So now he felt like the world wanted the rematch, Kentucky versus Duke. He's got Virginia upsetting Kentucky, facing Duke for the third time, second time, third time this year, and Duke winning the championship by five to seven had, points. I, I don't know how his bracket didn't catch on fire when he did that. I really don't. Well, I his will line tell you of this thinking too, we were- is he doesn't care if his bracket gets broken or busted because that means Duke lost. But if not, he could win. Well, here's the situation. He you know, Brandon is in the midst of of opening up Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room. Um 
We went by there after the show last week. Yeah, nice little nice. crowd on hand. I actually will be in the building on Wednesday to try it out for the first time. My fair bride and I will be there. I'm looking forward to it, but he's knee-deep in that right now. Uh, he and I had an opportunity today. We talked about what's going on in the tournament and about UNC in particular. He is of the belief that the Auburn-UNC game, one way or the other, will be a blowout. And he's concerned about this Auburn matchup. And and regardless of what his bracket says, you know he'll be pulling for UNC through and through the whole way. He, he legitimately is concerned about this Auburn matchup. Um, Bruce Pearl did an interview the other day and said, you know, we know how the, what the, the formula is to beat UNC, and that's to make them play half court. Bruce Pearl said, that's not what we're going to do. That's not who we are. Um, they want to run. And it's going to be an exciting game. It'll be an intense game. But Atkins honestly believes it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. He's on the fence as to who he thinks is going to pull it out. Obviously, he's pulling for UNC. Um, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. There are some really good matchups. The thing that I am feeling very strong about right now, I really think Virginia is going to struggle with with Oregon. Oregon is a very good ball club that really was decimated by injuries. Dana Altman is a very, very good basketball coach. And I want to say this about Oregon in general. Sean Powell would, would love this. Oregon is on the cusp, I believe, of becoming a legitimate national powerhouse athletically across the board. Phil Knight has dumped a gazillion dollars into that school over the course of the last 20 years. Their athletic programs, when you think about Oregon, Oregon has become a perennial force in the Pac-12 basketball-wise over the last 10 years. Dana Altman, the head coach at Oregon now, has with his Pac-12 championship this year where they kind of came out of nowhere. I think there were a six seed in the tournament. Won the tournament. Beat Washington in the final. Dana Altman now is the all-time leader in Pac-12 tournament wins. I think he's won 19 games in the Pac-12 tournament. That's the all-time record Hmm. for the Pac-12. Dana Altman is a fine basketball coach who has a nice program. They continue to get the big-time recruits out there. Be interesting to see as this Nike thing comes down the pipe, and I'm sure we'll talk about that next week, as to whether or not there's anything involved. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that Oregon is a basketball program. This is not a flash in the pan. They've been good for a long time. They continue to reload. They've got stability out there. And then you look at the football program. They it has waned a little bit since Chip Kelly's left, but they're on the they are a national force year in and year out. And when I think back to the day, Oregon was trash. I mean, the only time we saw Oregon come up for air any year was because they play in a game that has as cool a name as any rivalry game in the country. They play a civil war against Oregon State every year. But normally in football, that was, you know. A team that was seven and five, and you know somebody else was four and eight, and they were playing this game. Um, but Oregon really is one of those schools right now. When you think they're they're second or third tier, but they are a national brand, and it's kind of weird to me. Well, I think the biggest knock I have on the uh, the Oregon Ducks men basketball team is their court. That is, is the in, stupidest court. It's the hardest thing to watch, oh and my I would God. not be able to watch a game constantly at that court that had to have seemed like a really good idea when they did it we're gonna put trees on our court 
It's horrible. You can't even tell. Oh, it's so brutal. It's horrible. It's worse than the worst combination of uniform variables that they put on the football team. Because, yeah. you know, they, they'll roll out any given week. They They've were got the first ones, on. really, with Nike. They switched every week. A yeah. new helmet, new jersey, new pants. Yeah. When they went blah, to the blah, diamond blah. plate and all the rest of that stuff out there. But that that basketball court is horrifyingly bad. Um I can't think of a. I can't think of anything to equate it to. I mean, some people don't like the blue turf that Boise pioneered or whatever, but that basketball floor at Oregon is bad. Change it, Nike, Phil Knight. I hope you're listening because I'm sure he's behind it. Fix that. Um, but that's just all I want to say about Oregon. But Oregon, Virginia, Oregon has got size. Oregon plays tough defense. They've got offense that comes from a lot of different places. Virginia's gonna have a tough time matching up with them. Um, and Oregon is playing really, really good basketball right now. So that that's something I'm looking at that Oregon being the highest seed left in the tournament. Don't be surprised if they, if they beat Virginia and send them home. Yeah, we'll see. Now, my question to you is this, is after the first round exit of Virginia last year, how much farther into the tournament does Virginia have to get to put that by the wayside so that people forget they were a number one going down to – a 16. Unfortunately, in my mind, I think they have to win it. If they could come back wow. this year and win it all, that puts that all to bed. So a Final Four Anything appearance else, in and of itself doesn't do If they lose to a 12 seed, that's just a – yeah. Wow. Final Four doesn't do it. They got to they gotta be in the cha- – they got to hoist it. They got to cut the nets. I don't know, man. At this point and, – and I'm not certain. I'm already they, past it now. I mean, shoot, stuff happens. Well, here's the, here's the thing is I, I think – how far they get at this point doesn't matter who they play. If you were to say, hey, they got to the Sweet 16, that was enough to, to to pass it. I don't think the fact that they're playing a 12 has anything to do with it. At this point, you're talking about all the hottest teams in the mm-hmm. country that have got there. There's no bad teams that, that have gotten to this point. I think if they get to the Final Four, that satisfies the fan base. And, and everybody can get off Tony Bennett's back. Um, if they win it, obviously, you know, who cares? Um, interesting though. You think they have to win win it? it. I think they have to win it to really put it to bed. Okay. And then it's really not dead unless they're the next number one seed to lose to a 16 seed until the next team comes around. And Brandon made that point that it doesn't really matter if it ever happens again because Virginia is always the first. Yeah, it's done. But if Virginia is the first two, oh god. Yeah, they should probably not be the first half of their opener. I know. Oof. Boy, I went to you just about a pucker factor, and they were getting beaten badly. Yeah, it was, was uh, not good. Real touch and go, but they they settled down, did their thing. Um, I just think they've they've got an unlucky draw right now. I look at across some of the matchups they could have in this next round. Uh, Oregon's one of the tougher for them, so we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, so, baseball. Starting up two days. In two days. It's kind of amazing because what else happens on Thursday? The Sweet 16 starts. Why? Why? Is there nobody at MLB headquarters that looked at the schedule and was like, "Uh, we could start on Wednesday and we're up against nothing. But no, they're going to kick it off on Thursday right up against. teams are playing. What's that? All 30 teams are playing. And nobody cares. Nobody will. Nope. They will be buried behind everything. There will be the old hats that watch the early games, and, you know, I'm watching the first game, blah, 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 blah. But when you get to most of those games that are at 6, 7, and 8 o'clock, dude, nobody's watching that. Nobody. And here's the – Trent, how is it 
that every team is playing preseason baseball right now, and the regular season has legitimately already started. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. They did that a couple years ago, what, too. What is – that doesn't make any sense. And then the Mariners and the A's have to go back and still play preseason baseball. What? What? We've already had an icon retire his In last, the regular season. His last regular season game, and yet the season starts Thursday. What are they, what are they doing, man? I don't know. They did it a couple of years ago, too. This – this is taking it to new heights. I'd have to go back and look at the dates. I know that there have been some times where they've gone down to Mexico City or they've gone to Japan and they've started two or three days ahead. But to do this a week and a half before the end of the preseason well, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, I was mad because two years ago or three, I bet you it was two or three years ago, I was pissed because we hadn't gotten our fantasy draft in yet. And guys that were on my team were hitting home runs, and I didn't get credit for it because we missed the opening weekend of baseball that was a week before opening day of baseball. I thought I misunderstood something when the announcement came out about Ichiro and the fact that there were regular season games. I'm like, what? what?" Yeah. Mariners are in first place. Yeah. 2-0. MLB, I'm talking to you. Just cut it out. Cut it out. All right, we got a few minutes left. Anything you want to talk about? What's no. pressing? What's going on? Nothing. No, that, see, you misunderstood. When I throw it to you like that, I'm <laughs> counting on you to like, close this out because I'm out of gas. Well, the cheap, seats, the cheap seats have a uh, nice celebratory prediction that came true as of yesterday. What's that? We sat here after the football season talking about Gronk and how he uh-huh. was going to retire. And the 29-year-old retired. Well, here's the thing, man, is talk radio for the last couple days has been focused on, well, what's he going to do next? You know, if he goes and wrestles, there's more of a chance of of injury. If he, you know, does this, if he does that. Um, Here's the short answer. Why would he do anything? This guy's rich. He hasn't spent a nickel of his NFL money yet. That's crazy. He lived off of endorsements. This so. guy is is what most people would consider to be the consummate meathead athlete. I mean, that's his reputation, and it's well-deserved, and he kind of plays into that. He loves it. He loves being seen as the musclehead, you know, the no-neck football player. But, yeah, this guy hasn't spent a nickel of his NFL money. He's worth $40 bucks. He's 29 years old. You know, yeah, he may be beat up physically in terms of what he can do athletically, but he's in great shape. He's a good-looking guy. Women love this dude. He hasn't gone out there and done anything that's gotten himself in any trouble. This dude, the world is this guy's oyster. Why is he going to do anything? He doesn't need to make another red cent as long as he lives and breathes. My prediction is I don't think uh, he may do a little wrestling or whatever. I don't think he's going to go that route. I think he's going to become an action star. Why not? Yeah. Foot beat in Hollywood. Make I mean, it, it worked for the Rock. Million. And, you know, if you put Gronkowski into, let's say he does a buddy movie with The Rock. Yeah. How bad could it be? Could it be any worse than the rest of this tripe that, you know, Hollywood's trotting out? No. What superhero 
needs to have a movie made that Gronk could be the guy for. You know, if I'm if I'm DC, I'm mad because Gronk would have been perfect to be Shazam. You know, they needed somebody that was a little awkward, a little goofy. How yeah. big would that movie have been if it was Gronkowski? That would have been amazing. Right? Yeah. Boom. Settled. We talked about the fact that, you know, Batman's can change again. <laughs> I don't think he can be Batman. Please do not become Batman. Boom. Well, my wife says Jake Gyllenhaal ought to be the next Batman. We'll see. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, right? Thanks for hanging out with us from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Galabert. It's Trent Nichols. Peace! You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.